Let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six, okay? But you got to do the ands. One and two and three and four, that? Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six? Yep. Okay, here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. One and two and three and four and five and... Oh, I forgot to clap. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider... And your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. I am a humanoid. I will attempt to act like a normal humanoid by not using this synthenoid sounding voice. Now changing to human sounding AI. Hey, what's going on? What's up? Welcome to I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. That is much more appropriate, but I feel more comfortable in my natural voice which is this one. Dude, I just talked, uh, speaking of crazy characters, I just had a uh, late night dinner with my friend Adam Temple, who I started Scabs for, really. And, uh, you know, I met him in 91, and he was staying in his girlfriend's house. I uh, ended up at some girl's house one night, and uh, one of her roommates was his girlfriend, and but then I think that lasted like another week or something. And then he was kicked out and then he was homeless. He was homeless at the time. He was just staying with them at the time. But And now cut to 34 years later. Wait, is it 34? 33 years later. Two, 32. Still homeless. Had a few apartments in between. But now, once again, is it, is his main abode is his car. Well, I mean, did he ever... Was he ever not going to be homeless or living in a car? I mean, I mean, when we were playing in the scabs, we were making a pretty decent amount of money, and he was living in an apartment called El Casa, which was kind of like a real methy, you know. Like his the people that lived there were real sketch. He was one of the sketchy people that lived there. Um, but yeah, he had his own place for a little bit. But I mean, we haven't played regularly for twelve. 13 years so eventually the money runs out what does he do for money now what what has he ever done for money i don't know i think he had a job at a sandwich shop back in the late 80s i think that was his last real job i mean he's a he's a genius guitar player i mean he could get work if he got his shit together but he's just unreliable you know he was my main drinking partner back in the days when I was still drinking and doing drugs. I mean, when I say drugs, I mean, I wasn't really doing drugs. I was just drinking mainly, but he was my running partner. So, and, you know, I like to do it. When I do something, I like to do it, you know, just like you, when you do something, you like to do it. But you grew up and got sober and he never, he missed that stop on the doing it express i got sober when i was 29 and we're the same age me and him and uh yeah i tried to get him to i tried to i tried to drag him to a few meetings early on and he went but he had no desire to get sober and the problem with him his parents were so shitty both of them his mom's crazy his dad was you know just over the top narcissist so he just has this real low like i have low self-esteem 
but I also have this thing. I just got it from my mom, like that I'm special. So I got something from my mom, which he just never got. He never got anything that he was special. So he just doesn't have that thing in him that wants to save him. You know, he just feels like he deserves nothing. And so that's what he's got, nothing. But, you know, he's a, he's an adult. I wonder if it's that simple. I wonder if it's like a mother. Because, yeah, your your mom, there's nothing like a mother's love. And you will always be the prince, you know, the little king, the, the little king to be. No matter what you do, no matter how old you are, my mom still treats me like that, and I'm 40. And yeah. uh, I didn't have the perfect childhood either, but I don't have self-esteem issues. But... But I did have a mother who always loved and supported me and made me feel special, just like you were saying. I wonder if it's that simple. He's just missing that at a like really important time in life from 1 to 12. And then that's, is it that simple, you think? If you don't have your mother's love, you're fucked, dude. Because then you're just looking for somebody to be with who doesn't love you. So that's terrible. I have, a, I have a, one of my closest friends, mom, is just sounds like a terrible person. And he just can't be in a relationship. He, he's he been a couple times, he's been in relationships with women who like actually love him. And as soon as they love him, he's like, hey, I'm not into this relationship anymore. He's only into women who don't want to have anything to do with him. So he's fucked. And uh, I have another friend, uh, a woman who she's just looking for somebody who's completely checked out. So... Yeah, who who your parents are is a big thing. And if you're a parent, like you're you've already done all the heavy lifting. You're with your daughter. Whatever however you showed up in her life between the ages of 0 and about 6 or 7, that's the most important thing. Like if you cared for her and were there and loved her and told her and took care of her, then that's what she's going to look for when she gets older. I feel pretty good about it. Uh, we have a drummer in our band, and he's younger, good-looking guy and single. And he's always got these ladies around him, you know, because he like show ladies. You know what I mean? You know the show ladies. Oh yeah, and of course we show were, ladies. We were we were just at Austin City Limits watching the Foo Fighters, and he had these two show ladies, young, attractive show ladies, and he yeah. he could not have given less of a fuck. And we're me and my boys are watching the Foo's. He comes over with the show ladies. He's completely disinterested. He basically deposit. He comes over. They they come with him because they're just like, oh my god. And then he leaves because he doesn't give a fuck. He just starts walking around. He's trying to get backstage. He meets some other. Okay. And then they're just waiting on him. They're like, I was like, hey, where where'd Jeff go? They're like, I, I don't know. I don't know where Jeff went. Let me text him. So then we go to this after tent thing, like an artist area, and he brought them just because they were just basically little lap dogs, like just following him, like little puppy dogs. And then when we get to this thing, uh, me and my boys are sitting in a little corner like adults. And then he sees this other girl. He just gets up from them and starts talking to them, to this other girl. And these other puppy dog girls are just waiting for him to be done. And he could not have given a fuck about them. And I told him when we were leaving, I said, you know what, dude? My only goal in life is to make sure my daughter does not end up like one of those bitches. Because that was sad. Yeah. It's like, what's wrong with them? Why can't they be like, hey... I like you. I'm interested in you. But if you're not going to pay attention to me, go fuck yourself. What? Yeah. Just no self-respect, no dignity. Yeah. Well, I think that has a lot to do with your relationship with your wife. Like if you're if 
if your wife's not putting up with any of your shit, then your daughter's not going to put up with any of your shit. Any shit later on. Like, kids, I mean, besides, first of all, kids all have a personality that they're born with. So whoever they are, that's stamped on them from birth. But then how to relate to other people, how to move through the world, a lot of that has to do with watching the people around them. And for the first four or five years, it's just you and your wife. So how you guys handle each other in your relationship is how she's going to be. Well, this is like, if you just treat your wife like shit and she takes it, then she's just going to try to recreate that as she gets older. And if your wife's like, Hey, I'm not putting up with any of your shit, motherfucker. She's going to recreate that. I mean, that's why I, I really don't worry about my daughter at all because my wife takes zero shit. I'm scared to death of her. So I know my daughter is going to be the same way. Like nobody's ever going to fuck with her. She will, she will knife them in the neck. Just like my wife would knife me in the neck without even thinking about it. She would be sad afterwards. As I was bleeding out on the floor, she'd be like, ah, maybe I overreacted a little bit. And then she would kill herself. It'd be a murder-suicide situation. But not taking any shit. 100% not taking any shit from me or from anybody. It's just so. weird for me to see adults who, I guess in your 20s and you're like, oh, like, if you have a friend, I'm not going to talk about Adam, but someone like Adam, who's just, like, super fucked up. And you're like, man, they're fucked up. And it's like, yeah, they had a tough childhood in Alabama. They're fucked up. I guess I just always thought in my 20s, like, we all grow up at some point. Now I'm 40. And many of us did, you know? Like, most, a lot, I have a lot of friends who got sober because they had to. But then you're a couple of buddies that didn't. It's like, wow, you really are going to probably die like this where I feel this way about some of my religious friends too. Like I was deeply involved in a church for like 10 years, like really heavily involved. And I just feel like I kind of moved on. I mean, I obviously did. And I'll occasionally go back to Alabama and there will be some sort of hang and I'll hang out with some of these church people. And it's good to see them. And I had great relationships with people I met in church, but man, they're still doing the same shit. They're like, they're still having the same conversations about reality. And they're still going to the same church, still praying the same, still they just still believe the same exact things. And it's like, wow, you're just not evolving, you know? Like, and I'm not saying everyone has to become an atheist, but just really, you're just talking about what we were talking about when we were 25. I just I wouldn't even want to talk to my 25-year-old self. What would you and your 25-year-old self talk about if you get were to hang out tomorrow over coffee? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. We talk about whatever. We talk about just whatever was going on, and uh, it'd be a great conversation because I'm fucking so cool and so interesting. I would love talking to myself, dude. I wish, I wish there was five of me. I could be in a band with myself. I wish I could have a couple. I don't, I don't know. It'd be weird if I like had a couple chick versions of me, and then I was fucking myself. That would be weird, dude. But I'd prefer that, I guess, to fucking myself. If I was a dude, like a dude like me, I, that would be too much. I don't think I could handle it. A lot of the problems in my marriage, I think, are because I want my wife to be me. And that causes that causes well, a lot of problems. Most of the problems in my life are me wanting the world to think the way I think. Because here's what I know about what I know. It's First of all, it's right. Second of all, it's correct. Third of all, there's nothing else but what I know. So anybody who 
is not of that same opinion is wrong. <laughs> and I want the world to be right. That's all I want. Right. I, I want the world to be happy and right, which is just believe everything I believe. I kind of have that too. And I don't think I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's asking too much. I don't think that's being unreasonable. I have it too. Wanting the world to be happy, is that unreasonable? Wanting the world to be correct in all things, I don't think that's unreasonable. I do this thing where if there is an open lane on the road, let's say the lane's yeah. going to run out. Let's say you see the sign on the that they painted on the road that says lane ends in a mile. I right. take it to the bitter fucking end. Now, oh, you, dude, if you're not taking it to the bitter end, if you're trying to merge and there's open road ahead of you, you know what, what you you're doing? doing? You're fucking everybody. Because guess what the next guy behind you is going to do? Here's what I do. I take it one step further. If I've got open, if if I know the road's ending and I and I see like a half a mile of clear space, guess what I'll do? I'm fucking having a motorcade with my the car on my left. So nobody's getting around me. And I'm I'm just going to hang cuz here's the thing, there's a line and I'm not cutting in line, but I'm also not letting 25 assholes go down that long lane and have the stop have the traffic come to a complete stop. You know what I'm talking about? Well, what so I'm I'll, trying I'll to pull that. I'll pull that move. Well, what I'm trying to say is I'll take it to the end, but I never I never do the thing where you get to the end and then you make everyone stop. I'm a master at merging and I'll always find a little hole somewhere. So but I but I don't do the thing where I'm like, well, I guess I have to just obey someone who painted this on the road seventy years ago. No, it's an open road. It's a legal lane. I'm gonna take it. And when I'm driving past all these people, I'm thinking to myself, you fucking suckers. But I always make sure that I don't cut people off and fuck shit up. And it and th I think that's the correct way to do it. It's great. But my wife and several of my friends, we've had this discussion. It's kind of become a thing over the years. They don't see it that way. They think that's rude. And they think that, look, you got to do the thing that everyone does. Everyone goes ahead and starts getting over. And, th and they give you the lane so that everyone can start making plans to get over. And it's just the rules of society. And people like you gum it up. And I just don't see it that way. And there's just no... There's no chance of reconciliation in these opinions. And that causes me pain and it frustrates me. And I just want them to see it the way I see it, period. Well, there's there's two ways to do it. There's drive all the way to the end and merge. There's do what I do, which is stay next to the guy, but in that open lane. Because what you're de facto doing at that point is you're you're basically creating you're going to eventually get to the end of that merge lane. And by the time you do, you're going to have a fuck ton of cars behind you, which is what it should be. Like it should be, all the cars should be filled. That, that whole lane should be filled with cars. And then you're merging only when there's no other option. You should not be merging with open road ahead of you. So what I'm doing is I'm just creating the perfect road scenario in the future, but also not cutting in line of my brothers and sisters. Of humanity i do cut in, in front of them i do drive but, ahead of but them he, because it's dude i'm not saying that's wrong what you're doing i'm saying those are the two right ways to do it either go all the way to the end and merge or block up that lane until it's the last minute to merge either way you're merging at the last minute you're not merging the only wrong thing to do is merge early which is what you're saying is wrong and what i'm saying is wrong 
Merge early and you're fucking everybody. You're fucking yourself most. I would say that the way you do it is wrong because what you're doing is you're keeping people behind you from being able to go forward in the legal lane. Yeah, but here's what I'm here's what I'm doing, and I'll tell you why I'm why I'm right because unfortunately I'm right. the The problem, if you merge early and get in that lane and leave that open lane open, what happens is. 25 cars are going to come down and they're going to merge. And while those cars are merging, it's stopping your lane from going anywhere. So you're basically uh, merging early. Now you're letting 25 people cut in front of you. But if you stay in that lane and don't let 25 people cut in front of you, you're going to basically, yeah, you're not going to, you're going to, there's going to be four or five cars that you would have gotten in front of. But ultimately, that lane's going to move a lot quicker if you're not allowing 25 people to merge ahead of you, is what I'm saying. So, you okay, here's the difference between me and you. You're looking at it, and you're thinking about other people. I'm only yeah. thinking about me. Right. Now, I'll think about other people when I get to the end, because I'm not going to cut someone off. Like, I'm thinking about me and one car. You're thinking about, how can I do the best thing for traffic? And that doesn't occur to me. Well, I'm happier than you. That's the problem. And once you start doing what I'm doing, you'll be happier. You'll be a happier person. I'm not unhappy. Because the only the only I you're not unhappy, but I'm just happier than you're not you're you're fairly happy, but I'm happier than you. Because the the only way you can be happy in the world is by being of service to others. That's the only thing that provides any relief from misery in your life. So the only thing that helps me to feel happier is to love things, even things that I hate. Dude, I, in my prayers every day, yeah, I say prayers. Do I believe in God? Yeah. Do I believe in a God in a book? Hell no. Why would I do that? That shit's made up. Anyways, in my prayers every morning, the people that I have the biggest problem with, the people that really sicken me and I despise, I say, I hope something wonderful happens in their life today, whoever that is. And I do it every day. Every, if there's somebody that's really bothering me, I put him in my prayers every day. And, and not like, hey, God, do this. Or I just go, I hope something wonderful happens to this person. And somehow that dethaws my heart a little bit. And then when people come up to me, they're like, I hate that motherfucker. I want him to die. I'm like, that's not doing you any good. That all that does is make you miserable. Hating other people. It doesn't, it doesn't help you at all. Well, I was hanging out with a group of people the other day and we were talking about a very successful artist that made an album. That's not very successful. And I was talking about how it made me happy. And, uh, Oh Yeah. And uh, which is the opposite of what you're saying, by the way. But the table looked at me like I was a monster, and I was like, "God, I'm just. Be I thought I was just being honest. Uh, yay for everybody, no, no. Uh, dude. That's not the uh, no. I want to, dude. All men are my enemies, and I want to see them all fail. That doesn't that doesn't stop me from wanting to love them. Like I want them to fail, and I want them to love. I, I want, want to some, love them. You're saying I want something good to happen to you today, just not success in your career, but anything other than that, good. I want something good. No, to no, happen. no. I, I do. I look, nothing fills me with more glee than watching another man fail. 
Like it just fills me with glee. But when they succeed, instead of despising them and hating them, which is what I normally do and want to do, because it's my sword, my, my scorn and disdain and vitriol for other men, that's my sword. Because we're not living in the olden days, drinking mead, mead, pouring down our beer, chicken leg in one hand and the sword in the other, with a woman on a leash. That's not where we're living. We're living in modern times. This is the 90s. That's the, that's the 80s. So I need, or it's the late 80s. Dude, my sword is my disdain, and I want to use it. But then at the end of the day, it's only it's only hurting me. So yes. It seems very paradoxical that I w- that I love watching other men fail, and at the same time, when they f- succeed, and I'm filled with hate, I need to include them in my prayers because all that will help me is loving that person. It's the only thing that will bring joy to my life. And I'm a selfish person. I want to be joyful, and I want to be happy. So yeah, I want to do as much good as I can, no matter how horrible. The people are. Yeah, you have an extreme remedy for extreme feelings. I think I'm a little less extreme on either. I don't hate as much as you, and so I don't need to love things I despise as much as you to be happy. I feel like my, I feel like I despise things reasonably and love things reasonably. No, I, I love things with all my heart, and I hate things with every fiber of my being. Right. I really. Well, do. there's a thin. I mean, but again, tell- it doesn't help. Tale as old as time, it's really thin line between love and hate. Really, the Bono said it best, said the only pain is to feel nothing at all. And so when you feel nothing, that's when it's most bad. Like in a relationship, dude. In a relationship, if you're if you're fucking going to the mattresses to try to solve some shit, that's because you love each other. I'll tell you when it gets real bad is when you're not saying shit. When when shit's bad and you're going, that's fine. That's fine. I'm gonna go over here now. I'm just gonna move away from this now. That's bad. I'm about to quote one of my own songs, dude. I'm about to quote one of my own songs. How do you feel about that? I mean, I would say not, I would say not good. If you were about to quote one of your songs, I'd say mm, that I don't know. I don't feel good about it. I'm about to do it, and I don't feel good about it, but I'm going to do it. Once you feel nothing, you can do anything. By being so you're, so you're saying it's good. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's a song I wrote. I don't know if it's good or not. I don't, you know, I'll let, I'll let, uh, I'll let history be the judge. Well, what do you, what does the lyric mean? You're saying once you feel nothing, you're free to do anything. What does that mean? I don't know. Again, <laughs> I just, dude, I just write this shit down. What am I a fucking, I mean, I am an intuitive scientist, but what am I supposed to know? I mean, I do know everything, but what am I supposed to do? figure out these cryptic lyrics that i write dude i i did my one song concert yesterday that's it's actually coming out today because we're recording this in the past and uh one of the lines in that song is i synced my (laughs) i synced my iphone with a gorilla's butthole it was brown for an hour until i took it to the apple store now what does that mean (laughs) i don't know i don't know either I don't ask questions, dude. I write it down. I put it out there, and I let history decide. As all great artists do. Dude, I let the sands of time fall down upon the other sands of time until they've all fallen down, and then whatever celestial being 
that wants to pick that thing up and turn it over and let those sands fall down upon themselves again. Or the celestial being says, enough is enough. No more sands of time. And everything just goes, blink. Bye-bye. I don't know, dude. I don't have that information. I only have earthly information. Right. You're just the vessel. I mean, I'm a chalice for for all the information that can be poured into this chalice. Now, is it overflowing? Am I spilling so much fucking knowledge on this podcast that someone with an average-sized chalice, their chalice would be filled and then too overflowing and then fall down upon some other person with even a smaller chalice? Yeah. Yeah. Yes and yes. Well, when I express anything other than having to pretend to be happy for all success uh, with this group, they looked at me kind of horrifically. And I I just wish I hadn't said it, not because I don't feel it. It just wasn't worth the trouble. Because then I, and I had to explain it. And it's like, look, I don't, I'm just saying, I don't, if someone, if someone who's had a lot of success doesn't succeed one day, I don't know. Something about it makes me happy. It's not a big deal. I don't really wish anything harmful in them. I don't wish for them to not be successful. I'm just saying when they are unsuccessful, I don't know. Something in me kind of kind of feels happy about it. That's all. Jesus, everyone's so scared to just talk like that. It's no big deal. It's not a big fucking deal. Here's the problem, dude. We're living in a world right now where people are pretending that the world is something other than what it is. The fact of the matter is this. You're a man. You only need one man in the world. All other men are replaceable. They're irrelevant. They're redundant. Now, you can pretend that all men are all men are important and we need all men. No, you don't. In fact, put 50 people in a room, 25 men and 25 women. Give me a sword. I will hack those 25 men to death. The artist we're talking then, about is a female. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I, you're going on to something about men. I was, it was an <laughs> artist that's a female that wasn't succeeding. Oh, so, wait, hold on. So it was a female? Well, then there's definitely something wrong with you, Clint. It, it wasn't a man? No. Something wrong with you, dude. When I'm petty about the successes and failures of my peers, I don't discriminate. I don't see gender. Uh, I just see people. Um, I actually do have something really in, kind of intense to talk about in the Secret Weekly. Um, uh, oh, okay. Pretty intense, but I want—I've been wanting to talk to you about it. So we need to go there now because we're running late. You can join us in the Secret Weekly by joining us on Patreon. All the relevant links are down below in the show notes of however you listen to this podcast. Appreciate the support. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>